Well, that gospel escalated quickly. My goodness, it took a turn, didn't it? Everybody was like, oh, Jesus, he's so well-spoken. Can you believe it? That's Mary and Joseph's son. We can't even believe how amazing he is. From that to trying to throw Jesus off a cliff. What on earth? And why did the lectionary pair that gospel with our love passage in 1 Corinthians? I have some thoughts, but they'll leave us with a bit of heartburn, I think, just as those folks that were in the synagogue with Jesus that day had. Remember that this moment in Jesus' ministry was in his home community. It was his hometown. These are the people who watched him grow up. This was a place where his parents still went to worship. So this was not some random group of people. They'd been around and seen him and really knew him. The fact that this is the context in which this story is presented is even more intense. The reaction that they had to Jesus that day was not to someone they just met. It was to one of their own, someone who belonged to them. So what was it that made them so angry? What was it about what Jesus said that made them want to actually throw him off a cliff and kill him? As we see in the gospel, Jesus started out great. They all thought what he had to say was fantastic. Then he made some things plain about what he was talking about. He made it clear that this good news that he was sent to bring was not an insider's gig. That it was not just a blessing for them, but a blessing for people they considered outsiders. Unclean. Unworthy. If anything, Jesus told them it was not just not for the insiders, but actually that God continuously reaches to those on the outside, showing love, compassion, mercy, regardless of orthodoxy, regardless of social status, regardless of ethnicity or belonging or anything else. And that message didn't just ruffle feathers. It made people murderous. Unfortunately, if we look at history, this is not such an unusual response. Every war that's ever been hashed out, every conflict can be boiled down to people looking into other children of God's eyes and not recognizing God there. If we had eyes to see in that way, y'all, there would never be another war. Violence would end. So these folk, just like us and many throughout history, took their own group and decided to define themselves based on what they were not, those other folk, and compare themselves favor favorably with all the others. And this folk in first century that were in Jesus' faith community were very careful in who they believed were on the outside. 
they had a long-standing beef with a lot of people. And Jesus put it right in their faces that those folk belonged to God just as much as they did. You know, I don't think that those folk that day had rage in them, that murderous rage in them, because they hated the others. I think that they felt that rage because they were afraid. That carefully constructed worldview that they had was what made them feel safe. They needed to have somebody that didn't belong so that they could prove that they did. And so when Jesus talked about everybody belonging and about all these other folk getting healing outside of their in-group, it made them afraid. And fear often is manifested as anger and rage. The next time you see somebody angry, think about that for a second. Take a breath and think, what are they afraid of? The next time you feel anger inside of yourself, take a moment. Look deeper. What are you afraid of? We must be vigilant in these ways to pay attention. There are good reasons to be angry sometimes, for sure. But sometimes this anger and rage comes out of fear of wanting to belong. So these people that tried to throw Jesus off the cliff that day were afraid because their theology, their belonging, their sense of safety was being threatened by what Jesus was saying. But I don't think that Jesus was saying that because these other folk belonged, they didn't, right? That's where they missed the point. If they were able to have listened a little bit to what Jesus was saying, they could have stepped back from their way of looking at things and seen with eyes made new. They could have seen that it didn't mean just because the other belonged that they didn't belong. But instead, that God looks and accepts us all. Jesus offered and offers another way. Everyone belongs. And if that bothers us more than, than we would like to admit, it's more about us than about what Jesus has to say. If we're able to accept this, what Jesus said that day that made, us, made those folks so angry, and tends to make us angry too, if we're honest, we could see that we are accepted full stop. And we could look with curiosity at what makes us afraid and angry and invite us in and grow. If you've ever gone rock climbing, how many of you have ever gone rock climbing? Yeah, some of us. It's kind of a scary endeavor. Uh, you have to climb this wall and this face, and if you're out in the, in the wild, you kind of have to trust that these pieces of rock are going to hang on. And in order to progress in any way, shape, or form, you have to let go of where you're holding on to. And that's really hard. The other thing that you have to do is put your foot higher and push yourself up with your hands sort of free, which is also scary. But this is one of the ways that we grow. 
that in order to go to a higher level, in order to, to progress on this journey, we have to let go for a minute on what we have held tightly to, on what made us feel safe, so that we can grasp on and move forward. If we don't do that, we might want to throw what scares us off a cliff, as those folks in Jesus' day did that, that, that day so long ago. And it's so interesting, isn't it, that Jesus, he didn't fight them or debate them or convince them that they didn't need to kill him, right? He just walked away because it wasn't about Jesus. It was about their own fear, which leads us to our First Corinthians passage this morning. It's kind of a weird thing to pair with this gospel. We normally look at this passage like a, like a sign on the wall or like a beautiful thing that's read during, um, during a, a wedding homily or something. But Paul reminds us this morning of how revolutionary love truly is. It is a different message than what we hear in the world. It's a different message than what would make us safe if we need to differentiate ourselves from others to feel safe. No way of gauging our own progress matters compared to this. How well do you love? Is there love in your heart? The people in the synagogue that day tried to throw Jesus over a cliff, and if they would have taken just a second to check in and calm their nervous systems and be curious, they probably would have gotten here with Jesus. They could have gotten to a place where they saw that love is what matters. Not whether they belong or think that someone else doesn't or whether they're doing it right or whether they're jumping through the right hoops and somebody else isn't. You're just a banging, clanging tambourine unless you have God's love inside of you. Right now, we're in a very human place in our communities. There's a lot of insider and outsider talk going on right now, right? Lots of conversations about how we have it right and others have it wrong on all different perspectives. We dehumanize one another based on so many different things. And Jesus is inviting us to another way. This week on Texas Public Radio, I heard a really beautiful story. It was a story of a former Ku Klux Klan clavern. It was a large building in Fort Worth to house that town's wing of the Klan in 1926. And this enormous building, it's just cavernous, has been a symbol of the legacy of hatred, racism, and violence in that community for over 100 years. It's been just a terrible reminder. But that terrible reminder of, of history and even current presence of racism in Fort Worth was recently purchased by a group of folk. And they have decided to rename and repurpose that space. They're naming it the Fred Rouse Center for Arts and Community Healing. After Fred Rouse, who had been lynched in Fort Worth in 1921 during a labor dispute. This place that was once 
utilized for hate and the ultimate insider otherness is going to be used to bring community together. There's gonna be farmer's markets, community education, safe spaces for LGBTQ plus youth. There's gonna be art spaces. There's gonna be a hall for meetings. There's gonna be a place for performances. And there's gonna be a place for so much more social workers, psychology, so, so many things, so many, so many wonderful, beautiful, healing, healing things. The people of Fort Worth are reclaiming a space that was established on fear and violence and othering. And they're going to use it to show belonging. They're gonna take the way of Jesus. They're gonna walk away from that cliff where people are arguing and trying to draw lines and say who belongs and who does not. They're gonna take the way with Jesus. Make no mistake, my siblings in Christ, if Jesus waltzed in here, he would make us all uncomfortable, just the way he did his home church back in the first century. He'd make us a little afraid, but he would not do it just to make us uncomfortable and afraid. He would do it to remind us that in the end, we belong. And it has nothing to do with any of the lines that we draw or any of the hoops that we jump through or any of the things that keep us safe or feel, feeling safe at night. He would come to make us uncomfortable and make us afraid so that we could be set free. We belong. And because of that, we get to live in love, which is the only way to live, to transform the hatred and division of the past and present into a healing future. This is what Jesus did every step of his journey on earth and what he perfected in his death and his resurrection and what he invites us to as children of God. Amen.